This is On The Radar with me, your host, Radar. And of course, we'll always talk about local and national sports and pop culture as well. I want to start off the program with saying rest in peace to Joel Laurinaitis, a.k.a. the Road Warrior Animal, professional wrestler, passed away at the age of 60. I also want to say rest in peace to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, pioneer in her industry of fighting for equal rights for women. I see the biopic on her, and I also saw the documentary. And as a fellow Jew, I know, know, about, I know about her and all the compliments she has made in the field. I also want to say a rest in peace to former drummer of Ozzy Osbourne's band and Uriah Heep. And to recipes to Larry Nielsen, number, he died, passed away to 82, Hall of Fame safety, was a team executive and a coach, eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time first team, one-time second team All-Pro. He's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, the regular Hall of Fame, his numbers retired. He made the All-60s and 70s team, the 100-year anniversary, the 70-year anniversary. He led the NFL in interceptions, you know, one of the NFL Defensive Player of the Year before as well. Yeah, the name of the Ozzy Osbourne and Rye Heap drummer was Lee Kerslake. He passed away at 73, so rest in peace to talented drummer, a pioneer in the in the field for women and fighting for their rights. Rest in peace to a Cardinals legend, and rest in peace to a professional wrestler as well. Now, another sad news that I got to come to pass along to you is something that I, is again, uh, you know, a... A legendary athlete in the world of sports that I was hoping at some point to meet. Never unable to meet this person because unfortunately the man passed away. Rest in peace to Gale Sayers. Gale Sayers is one of the greatest running backs in football history. He was a great punt and kick returner as well. So he contributed on the special team side. He passed away today at age 77. He was, you know, first round pick in both the AFL and the NFL. So it's pretty impressive. Out of Kansas. He played for the Bears his whole career. He went to Southern Illinois. He worked at Southern Illinois and Tennessee State as well. That's besides him going to Kansas. He was a four-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-First Team All-Pro, Comeback Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, led the league in rushing twice, made the 100th and the 75th anniversary All-Time Team, the 60s All-Decade Team, the Bears retired his number. He was a two-time All-American, and the, the Kansas football team retired his number. And if it weren't for injuries, the man who's in the football in the college football Hall of Fame he probably would have probably be better off, had better career numbers, career yards, and touchdowns. But it's a what if because of all the injuries that happened to him. But he had a lot of return carries as well. He's a legendary Bears player. If you remember Brian's song, you know, the movie that his relationship with Brian Piccolo, being the first interracial roommates in the NFL, and that Piccolo struggled with cancer. And they made that TV movie, Brian Song, that became really famous. Yeah, so that's interesting as well. A successful career, business career as well. And he had been diagnosed with dementia a couple of years back. And they probably thought it was due to his football career. So he remained physically healthy, but the disease affected him mentally and with memory and things like that. He just eventually gave away. So rest in peace to a bear. NFL legend, and, a, and as everybody said, a good man that I, I really wish that I could meet. Because, you know, 77 is not that old. I would be able to finally meet some of these legends. But rest in peace to Gail Sayers. Now let's switch over to non, 
you know, sad news. Oklahoma City is the is one is one of the few teams that have 11 straight players make any of the All NBA teams this year as Chris Paul made it. Ryan Braun got to 350 home runs. Congratulations to him. And Kristen Yelich has 150 career home runs. Congratulations to him. And Albert Pujols is now in sole possession of fifth all-time in home runs at 661 after passing Willie Mays. Unfortunately, Mike Pouncey, the center of the Chargers, is out for the year. Colts, Texans, and Titans will not have fans in the crowd this past weekend. Congratulations to Joe Reeves, Minnesota Lynx coach, for winning uh, Coach of the Year. To Crystal Dangerford for winning Rookie of the Year from the same team. Angel Wilson won MVP from the Aces. Sixth Woman of the Year, Dierica Hambury. And their GM, Dan you know, Dan Padavater was Executive of the Year as well. Pado Dover, I never pronounced that. And Zuber is now second most assist all time in playoff history. Jose Abreu is the first player this season to 50 RBIs in this in only 50 games. The last Sox player to do that was Baker, and the last regular Major League player to do it was Miguel Cabrera. Jackie McMullen of the Boston Globe and ESPN. She's announced an extension with ESPN, and she's also going to work for the Ringer, so congratulations to her. Joe Burrow was the first rookie ever to have 37 completions. That's the most ever. Vince Carter is officially retired from basketball and is now going to be an NCAA and NBA analyst for ESPN. Credit to him. Diana Taurasi just had the second most assists before Subert passed her. Diana Bonner's got the 20th most rebounds in playoff history. Congratulations to her. Ubaldo Jimenez has officially announced his retirement after pitching on a minor league deal with the Rockies in spring training but with the condensed season. They never called him up. He retires at 836 with one all-star appearance and a no-hitter. He played for the Rockies, the Indians, and the Orioles as well. He didn't play for a couple of years, so it was nice that he came back again to be with the Rockies. So happy trails to him. He is definitely the greatest pitcher in Colorado Rockies history. And if you remember from my all-time baseball team, because the Rockies have been, haven't been around that long, active players still count. Now they officially retired, along with Chris Ayanna. The two of them are two of the greatest Rocky players. Robert Woods, wide receiver of the Rams. He's had a four-year extension with $32 million guaranteed at $68 million. C.J. Anderson, the former running back of the Broncos, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Rams, and the Lions, where you won a Super Bowl at Super Bowl 50 and made one Pro Bowl. He, he is retired at age 29. If you remember the controversy with Todd Gurley in Super Bowl and using him, he has announced his retirement at a very young age. Bengal tight end C.J. Umzada is out for the rest of the year with a torn Achilles. Sorry about that. And in basketball news, Giannis Antetokounmpo has become the MVP back-to-back year. Everybody has to remember that's a regular season award, and he has nobody really around him. He's got the Lopez twins and Eric Bledsoe, I think Wesley Matthews still, and Kyle Korver, and these are all role players. Kyle Korver and Brooke Lopez have been an all-star before, but those are all role players. Donnie G. Vincenzo and Pat Connington, those are young role players, and... The only player he has is Chris Middleton, who never shows up. So that's how it's the sort of thing where he clearly had the best season on the best team in the America in the in, excuse me in the in the you know the Eastern Conference, and that's how he deserved it. LeBron James has Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma and a bunch of other guys that I would could rely on more than you can rely on what Milwaukee has. And that's not about leadership or overcoming things. It's they got to definitely make an award for the best player in basketball and just say, LeBron, here you go. Because I remember the time where Albert Pujols was the best player in the National League. Each was the best player in the American League. Ken Griffey Jr. was the best player. David Ortiz, depending on what it was. But it doesn't mean that you win MVP. Now, most of the time, baseball gets it right. But there were a couple of years where Mike Trout got MVP because he was the best player and put up 
good numbers all around the board. That's why we gotta we gotta figure out a way to separate that because most valuable to the league or most valuable to his team. And if it weren't for him, there wouldn't be a team. Unfortunately, speaking of MVP caliber player, Justin Verlander has, has announced he's gonna have Tommy John surgery. And unfortunately, because he didn't get the surgery when he first got hurt. It's going to take more than a year, so if he does come back, it won't be next season. It'll be the following season. I don't know if the, the Astros are going to keep him under contract. Same thing with their closer. Delaying Tommy John surgery doesn't really help out for you guys. And in funny news, Todd Frazier, former Ever- like Reds and the White Sox and the Yankees, who's back on the Mets after briefly appearing with the Rangers, he came into a game this past week in the pitch. It's the first time he's pitched in a game since he was in the Little League World Series representing Tom Rivers. That's interesting. Ron Gardenhauer announces retirement abruptly before the season can even end, battling some health concerns. He won manager of the year of the Twins. He won a World Series of Twins coach. He's probably, as I've said before, one of the greatest managers in Twins history. A little baffling that he decided to take the uh, the job after coaching the Diamondbacks, after the, the Twins fired him, being the Tigers coach, Tigers manager, when... They weren't going anywhere, and they had too many old guys that they didn't trade before they got no value. So that betrayals to him. Two Brewers players at the alternative site test for positive for COVID. Hopefully they get better. The Bears running back Tariq Cohen just signed a three-year extension. Congratulations to him. Uh, Gordon Hayward of the Celtics said he was going to leave the bubble for the birth of his next child, but because he missed so much time due to injury, and he's very important to this team overall, he is not leaving the bubble. Sunday was the first time ever at the most ever black versus black quarterback matchups ever. Rest in peace to the scout Gary Hughes, who passed away at 79 years old. Nick Boza and Saquon Barkley both tore their ACLs and they're out for the years. Drew Locke is out with AC joint, you know, rotator cuff surgery. He's going to miss almost six weeks. The Colts just lost Paris Campbell for the rest of the year to an injury as well. Solomon Thomas, he got hurt. Raheem Morstead of the 49ers, they both got hurt. Garoppolo got hurt as well. Sterling Shepard's now been placed on the injured reserve to Doyle Saquon Barkley. Man, there's so many players that are out for the rest of the year. They're going to miss a lot of time. Christian McCaffrey, he's going to miss about like six weeks or something like that. He's out with an injury. Ankle sprain. Tevin Coleman's going to be out for a few weeks with an injury as well. People are not surviving this. I don't know if it's because no regular OTAs training camp or preseason or it's just football that just happens there. Dak Prescott became the first player with 400 passing yards and three rushing touchdowns in one game in NFL history. Justin Herbert, who played on who played on Sunday in place of the in, injured Tyrod Taylor, he became the first rookie ever with a rushing and a, and a passing touchdown within the first half in his debut since 1954. That's interesting. Russell Wilson is now 3-0 for Phil Bilicek. That's an interesting statistic. It just keeps proving how good of a quarterback Russell Wilson is. Then that also interesting, the Bills and the and the Dolphins game, people missed two scoring touchdowns because the power went out for a bit of time. That's interesting. Deion Sanders has been announced as head coach at Jackson State, and the rumors are he wants T.O. and Warren Sapp to work for him. That's interesting. Bortles is signed with Denver with injury to Drew Locke. And uh, Devontae Freeman is signed with the Giants because of injury to Saquon Barkley. If Freeman's healthy, it's better than whatever the Giants have. And I don't really know about Blake Bortles and Jeff Driscoll. It's really a toss-up there in Denver. 
And the Arizona Fall League has been canceled due to COVID and restrictions. So that's interesting. That's usually where some prospects get some more seasoning and get a chance to play. That's not going to happen. Michael Jordan has made history by being an owner of a NASCAR team with Danny Hamlin leading, working with Danny Hamlin. Hamlin, And they're going to have Bubba Wallace, the lone African-American race car driver, be a part of it. So Michael Jordan's just trying to, you know, expand his portfolio and hopefully, you know, proves you don't have to, doesn't matter what race you are to own a team or be a racer. And really sad news, O'Neill Cruz, a Pirates prospect, was supposedly under influence, drunk or not, whatever the case is. He, he His Jeep crashed into a motorcycle and he killed three people. So I don't know if that's involuntary or accidental, but re- uh, prayers and everything out to the families who were impacted by that. And at the same time, the Bulls have hired Billy Donovan, the Florida head coach, who won two championships and all the accolades while coaching, making the March Madness tournament all the time, and coaching Oklahoma City with just Russell Westbrook in his MVP season, then coaching him with Paul George for a couple of years, making the playoffs. And then this year, everybody thought the Thunder were going to be dead. Get rid of Gallinari, get rid of Steven Adams, get rid of Chris Paul, just play all the young guys. Chris Paul stayed, everybody stayed, and guess what? They were the sixth seed. You know, they did pretty well in the playoffs. In the first round, you know, so got to give him credit. And one of the weird things, not why the Bulls hired him, but the, one of the reasons why the Thunder let him go was because he didn't think he wanted to do a rebuild. The Bulls are in a rebuild because they don't know who their center is, their small forward is, or they're really their point guard, so I don't know what he's going to do for that. But at least the Bulls decided not to cheap out and get a career assistant or a college coach. Let's get somebody who's been there and done that before. Yes, he's a college coach, but a really successful college coach before being a coach in the in the game. And then Greg Bird of the Phillies, who just signed a mind deal with the Phillies, this came in today, he is announced he has COVID. And, and a really interesting, bizarre uh, story is Tyrod Taylor missed the game, which is what I stated earlier. Justin Herbert had a great first game, was in, was in the game the whole entire time against the Super Bowl defending champs. Chiefs, he, he, you know, he was good on his own. He, he played because Tyrod Taylor has a punctured lung. They were trying to administer a pain-killing injection to the quarterback's cracked ribs, but the doctor accidentally punctured his lung, so he's probably going to miss another week. So Justin Herbert will probably stay as the quarterback as well. Now, back on the Billy Donovan thing. Billy Donovan and the Bulls front office of new president, new GM, new you know assistant GM will evaluate what do we do with Chris Dunn? What do we do with Zach Levine? What do we do with Wendell Carter Jr. Otto Porter Jr.? Because Carter and Porter never stay healthy. Chris Dunn, we know he's not a great scorer, but he's a good facilitator and plays good defense. And we know Zach Levine has improved his three-point shooting, but he's a he's a high-flyer scorer. He's not like a shooter. He's a scorer. So that's really what they got to figure out what they want to do with these guys as well. Now, in this Bears game, they were up like 17 nothing. Unlike last week where they were down and they didn't know how to play both sides of the ball. The Bears took an early lead. Their defense did a good job with forcing a fumble, interception. The Giants missed a field goal. They, of course, missed their own field goal as well. But that, that's another story. And Mitchell Trubisky, after getting to that lead, he throws two interceptions. So last week, the Bears barely won at the end because the Lions screwed up. And the Bears then barely won this week. They held on for dear life by the skin of their teeth to win. Now, with the Bears, if you're going to miss your own field goal, you're going to throw an interception, I, I, I don't know what you guys are doing here. That's the, that's the problem. If the Bears 
quarterback's going to throw two interceptions. You know, they're going to fumble the ball away one time as a whole and miss a field goal. The Giants could have won this game. They got very lucky that the Giants had to score 13 points straight to try to even make this game close. And if they made their field goal, it would have probably would have been even closer for the Bears. And the fact that the Giants lost Saquon Barkley in the middle, the beginning of the game, and they'd have to see him the rest of the game also helps them out. Now, the Eagles completely looked horrible, and I don't know why or how they can be this horrible again, relying on the Eagles even though they're the best team in their division. That was surprising. Also, the Vikings just completely look like junk this year. And maybe I was right because of all the rookies they got to bring in on defense and and the rest of the team. They're not getting a chance to all click together. It's not good when you don't have Stephon Diggs and some key impact defensive players as well that they got rid of. And even though the 49ers had all these injuries and they weren't that great, the Jets just completely stink there. Now, the Steelers barely hung on against the Broncos, which again... Drew Locke got hurt and they had all these injuries. How it wasn't it was that close. And the Raiders beat the Saints because Drew Brees had a bad game and Derek Carr had a good game. That's really what it it came down to. Now the Cowboys, they won by the skin of their teeth one point because they kicked like a game winner and they won. You know, so They, they probably should have been blowed out because what happened was Atlanta went up 29-10. to 10. Like, they completely went up super early. And they even added 10 points in the fourth quarter. So it's not like they stopped scoring. They just didn't score one quarter. They forced four total fumbles, which was like, wow. It's pretty impressive to do to force four fumbles on defense. The Cowboys, you know, had two missed fake punt attempts. They missed a two-point conversion. So instead of giving the ball back further in the territory of the Falcons, they give the ball right there by turning over on down. And then they missed two points instead of taking the easy one. You know, I don't... So, then you add the fact that the Cowboys' offensive line is battling injuries that are not as good as they were. You say to yourself, well, this is going to be a bad game, you know? Then it turns out that the Falcons, who like the Falcon as well... When they're high up with expectations, they, like in the Super Bowl, just blew this lead. They let Dak Prescott, as I said earlier, be the first player to have 400-plus yards. He finished with 450. And not just one passing touchdown, but he had three rushing touchdowns to go along with Ezekiel Elliott's rushing touchdown. And that's really what it is. He had two receivers with 100 yards in both D.C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. So, yeah, the Falcons really falconed this up. And, and it probably would have been – and it's an upset because – I, an upset is obviously when a bad team beats a good team, but like the Falcons are supposed to be seven and nine average, and the Cowboys are supposed to be eight and eight average, so they're similar to each other. But then you give up a huge lead like that. That's where you say what? Bears barely hung on. The Vikings, the Vikings and the Eagles look horrible. Saints lost the game they probably should have won, and Justin Herbert played really well against defending Chiefs, this defending World Champion Chiefs, and the Falcons completely just like. Just completely just gave up, that sort of thing. Like they're they they didn't give up and they just completely failed and it's a disaster, you know, how they can give up such a huge lead. Cowboys could look sloppy as heck to begin the in to begin and then 
Yeah. And baseball, all the baseball transactions from this past week. Philly signed Greg Bird, who I mentioned was COVID, and Jonathan Lucroy for the stretch run if they try to make the playoff. They did call up one of their best prospects, Mickey Moniak, so they got more natural-born outfielders. Aaron Judge is back for the Yankees. That's good from them. Jonathan Gray has been shut down, so the Rockies lose their best pitcher. Chris Davinsky has elbow surgery, so the Astros lose another reliever. Royals lose Matt Harvey to the DL. The Blue Jays just got Ken Giles back, and he just went on the DL with Tommy John. So, again, another pitcher holding off instead of getting it right away. But they get Teoscar Hernandez back for the playoff run. Phillies also lose Jake Arrieta. The Braves got Kalilas back for one start and just lost them again. The Mets are continuing to play Jet Lowry's contract. He will not play for a second straight season, even with all the time off. Oh, my God. What are they doing? I don't know why they signed him in the first place. Nationals lost Adam Eaton. That's not good. Ray lost Medals, their best player. The Twins at least get Mitch Garver back. The White Sox called a Gary Crochet pitcher. First, he bypassed like, the whole minor league system, so that's interesting. Padres finally get Tommy Pham back. Maybe they won't play Jerks and Profar in the outfield. Maybe, just maybe. Sox get Dallas Keuchel back. That's good. Rockies have called up AJ Ramos after he's been part of three teams trying to make his comeback, so that's good for him. The Reds have lost Tylen Thorbrook to Tommy John surgery, and they already cut Pedro Strop, and they DFA'd Nate Jones, and cut, and they're going to probably cut him. So their bullpen's getting a little weaker there. Wade Davis got DFA'd by the Rockies, and they've completely flat-out cut him, so that contract did not work out. Sam Freeman had Tommy John surgery, so that's not good. Padres get Eric Hosmer back. Marlins get uh, Jonathan Birdie back, but the Serpico got DFA'd. That's Sean Rodriguez. Sorry about that. Cubs finally get Chafin back in the DL who they traded for. A's have DFA Daniel Megden and outrighted him because he wasn't in part of the rotation plans this year. Brewers, really only good center field option. Ben Gamble's out for the year. Mike, uh, Carson Fulmer's back on Pittsburgh after being on the Orioles. Giants and DFA smoke. That was a very short stint with the Giants because there's not enough room. There's not too many DHs on the team. The Cardinals do get back Baxter Fowler, but they have a gluttony at outfielder. Rockies have lost El Arenado to the DL. Cubs get Jose Quintana back. Phillies lost Heath Henbury to the DL, so they keep losing guys. Twins do get Homer Bailey back with Jake Odorizzi going on to the DL, so that's interesting there. And Weed Chen is signed in Japan, so good luck over there. Sonny Gray is back for the Reds. That's good. Pirates have lost Newman to the DL. Cubs have called up Jose Martinez. Try this again. See if it works. Mariners get their starting catcher Mike Zeno back. I mean, excuse me. The Rays get Mike Zanino back from the DL. He used to play for the Mariners. The Angels got Franklin Barreto in a trade. They weren't even using him in second base. He's out for the year. Dylan Moore, the utility player of the, the Mariners who had no business playing, he is out for the year. So is... And Jelton Simmons out for the year for the Angels. So they had a shortstop out. So Fletcher will probably play shortstop. And they'll play Renhifo at second base. And then Spencer Keeboom, the, the rookie third baseman for the for the Nationals. He's out for the year. The Diamondbacks do get Cattell Marte back. Now, switching over to pop culture. One of the dumbest things that have ever happened in my lifetime of watching television and movies and everything else, and doing my television reviews on all the new broadcast television shows that aren't, uh, you know, that only if they're originally theirs or if I'd never watched a spinoff. Now, just before I get to there, the uh, they, there was an announcement on the She-Hulk television show, the She-Hulk television show that's going to be on like the Disney Plus network. They casted Tatiana Malaz, Malaz, Maslani to play her, so congratulations to her, and. So ABC waited until like April or May, even even though COVID was happening, to announce the 
the renewal of shows. And they renewed the Goldbergs and Blackish and Mixedish and the Connors and American Housewives. That was for the sitcoms. They got rid of three sitcoms, two ended. They, you know, How Do I Get Murder ended. And they said, of course, Grey's Anatomy and Station 19 is going to come back. A Mill Little Thing is going to come back. The Rookie's going to come back. They're going to have all these game shows scattered throughout the weeks, different days of the week. The Good Doctor's coming back. And, of course, they got the Bachelor's franchise. And Dancing with the Stars is back, even socially distant. Then the next thing they said was Stumptown's going to come back and For Life. I was surprised about For Life, but I was glad about Stumptown. Based off the graphic novel, you know, Cobby Smothers plays a former military veteran who suffers from PTSD, has a brother with, like, Down syndrome special needs. Her buddy, Jake Johnson, owns a bar. She has an on-and-off relationship with Michael Ely, the detective. They cast all these Native American actors because of the reservation in Portland. It's very cool giving them opportunities to act and stuff like that and get the right person to play their the right race, and she then becomes a private eye, and they've had a lot of great guest stars. And I was like, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, lighthearted. It's not as serious as the other procedural shows that solve crimes and things like that. And yes, she's a flawed character. We're all flawed. And they announced it was renewed, and I was like, yay! I can't wait to watch that and The Rookie and a million little things. A good doctor in terms of the one-hour shows I watch on ABC. I only have one half-hour show because I watch American Housewife only from the ones that were renewed. And of course. You know, I wait till the summer's over, and I know because of COVID, this probably show wasn't going to be on in October, November, even December. You know, I'll wait till next spring for it. Not a big deal, or make it a summer show. But they cited the timing because of COVID and scheduling conflicts, and the fact that it ended in a cliffhanger is even more upsetting. How can you go back on your decision to renew a show and cite timing and scheduling? COVID has pushed everything back. I don't think any fan cared if season two of Stumptown didn't come back till 2021, no matter if it was the spring or in the summer, or even waited till the following fall. We just thought it was a quality program with quality actors, good storytelling, very diverse show, all that. But they decided to do that. The other two shows that have similar fates were Drunk History and, and Society. They're two shows that I don't watch. One's on Comedy Central. I think one's a streaming show. Both were announced they were going to ruin them. They didn't bring them back. After, then they reversed course and canceled them. I'm really hoping that another broadcast network or even a streaming site will pick up Stumptown because then if it's on a streaming site, it doesn't have to always be PG because they're all, you know, her hooking up with both girls and guys and things like that. So it's not really the, the most appropriate show, but it definitely is a good show. So right now, I'm sorry, ABC, but you continue to make bad mistakes. You cancel single parents and bless us, best, two of the only good half-hour sitcoms. And yes, you cancel the spinoff of the Goldbergs. But you keep both Blackish shows, the Connors, which nobody asked for in the first place, nor did we ask you to bring Roseanne back. Because you would think, Modern Family ended. Fresh Off the Boat ended. You're really going to cancel two shows? I don't know what you're thinking there. You cancel three shows, and two shows ended. That, again, making bad decisions, okay? Now, another bad decision is they decided to CW because everything is pushed back. Melissa Benoit's uh, pregnancy, everything got pushed back, and that she and the network were going to show it next year anyway to begin with before uh, before they were before this, the you know COVID. She was pregnant this year because the episodes were already filmed for pretty much every episode. But the fact that this season ended on a cliffhanger and didn't get 20 or 22, it got like 18 or whatever, 19 episodes and whatnot, that it ends on a cliffhanger. We we're like, we can't wait till they conclude the cliffhanger 
and show another season and whatnot. But they said, you know what? Because of the coronavirus and her, you know, her pregnancy, they weren't, they were, they, they said they were going to begin to film at the end, as hopefully as soon as possible in the next coming month. So by next year, like 2021, they would have had it. And this is before COVID because they were delaying her pregnancy. But then they decided that, you know what? Uh, we're just going to end it here. So basically, because of delays and the downward ratings trajectory, the studios and the uh, producers, the network, and Supergirl stuff, they spoke to her about it. They said, why don't we announce it being a final season like we did with Arrow and Supernatural and The 100 and iZombie and other shows, instead of just going goodbye like that without letting anybody know. Now, what is interesting is CBS canceled this for one year. CW saved it, and it was very good. But it has gone down a hill a bit. It's become too politicized. Marchand Brooks, who played Jimmy Olsen, he left the show. Jeremy Jordan, who played, you know, when he left the show. A lot of people did leave the show, moved from Canada to L.A., but in general. So it's kind of gone downhill. There's some characters that we don't need, etc., etc. So... I don't know what they're going to go forward here, if they're going to finish the season, how it ended, and then the way this the way this season ended is actually the start of the next season, and then episode two will be whatever the season is, because we are all really excited for the next, you know, decade of, the next five years to have, it was Barry and Oliver as the leaders of the superheroes, you know, the ones you go to and rely on, that they built that relationship with Batwoman and Supergirl and them being friends, taking care of each other, and that sort of thing, in a sister way, not in a dating way, and that they were going to lead the Arrowverse next, because Barry doesn't have that other person. Black Lightning, not really part of that universe. The Legends of Tomorrow has become really, really stupid, and Stargirl is in a different dimension. That's how they explained it, and Swamp Thing is just being streamed, and if they like it, they will bring it back. And so... I don't know how this is going to affect the rest of the Arrowverse because they already announced no more crossover episodes. And with Batwoman switching actresses, that show is probably going to come to an end as well. And you're just going to have Legends that isn't as good, Flash that's been on a downhill trajectory, Black Lightning, and Stargirl, really. So, thanks for listening to episode number 48 of... Of on the radar. I can't believe wow, I've done 48 episodes, and as always, we talked about local and national sports and pop culture. And just for those who remember, get your podcast wherever you get it: Apple, Google, Spotify. Go to Anchor if you want to contribute some money towards me, like 99 cents. Check out the YouTube on the radar for my movies and baseball observation videos. Check out the Facebook page on the radar entertainment blog. Like or follow. Follow me at Twitter at radar4428. Remember, my long-form articles are all on Blogger, just Radar 4428, and soon the website will be up as well. Thanks for listening to On The Radar. See you guys next time, and rest in peace to every single famous person who passed away, like Gail Sayer and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. See you guys next time. Thank you.